Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, we thank you for your presence in our midst, Lord. And without you, we couldn't take a step in this life. Without you, Lord, we have no hope. We would be lost in this world without faith, without God. We pray that your word would sustain us even this morning. That your word would revive us, Lord. That we would be the hope of the nations, O oh God. That we might be the joy of all the earth. That we might be filled with your presence wherever we go. And that we might share the gift of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The light of the world, the salt of the earth. We pray that you teach us how to worship. How to live a life that's pleasing to you that would even impact our children, oh God. That they might walk in your presence, Lord. They might walk far from the pitfalls of this life, Lord. They might be filled with joy and not depression, not despair, not sorrow. That they would have great hope in the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, oh God. Thank you for the legacy you've left us, the inheritance, the wealth, oh God, of the knowledge of God give you thanks and ask you to bless your word and prosper it in our hearts that we not sin against you O God that we might be your people in this season and into this place that we might be transformed by your presence in Jesus name we pray amen 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 you remember that one right Richie that was a good one that was one of the oldies but goodies as we continue to pursue the perfecting of our worship Worship is a, we found out last week that it's a bowing down, it's a surrender. It's a coming to God and saying, you, you run, you rule my life, you govern, you tell me where to go, how to go, when to go, with who to go. And so worship is a powerful thing. And the Bible is replete from, from Genesis to Revelations, um, some people that don't read the Bible says, I read the Bible all the time from generations to revolution. And um, we know they don't read the Bible. But here, God is teaching us, and we, we, we saw this this week, um, as God was telling his people how to come before his presence. Um, we read this verse, I want to read it quickly again, um, where where the question is asked, what does God require of his people as they come before his presence? Deuteronomy 10, verse 12, the early books of the Bible. Uh, now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? Because um, it seems to be that, that the house of God has become so familiar to so many that people come and go and they're never required of. What does God require of you? And then it continues on, but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to love him, to serve him, uh, the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your inner existence, your soul, everything that's within you. Uh, surrender to God. And, and so learning how to do this is is seen in the text of Bible, but watching somebody do this is a glorious example. I, I, I want to draw near to men who, who serve with greater excellence, and then that rubs off on us. And, and so that's our scenario. Um, one of the issues that people have with the requirements of God, uh, they can't relate to it because we're not, we're not living in times of of expressions of honor. I always tell the story when I, I became to practice law. I was an attorney here in Miami and I, I came into the courthouse um, and you see then they tell you how to approach the judge and how to approach his presence and to have no contempt for the judge and the actual court and those officers of the court that are there. Um, one day I was in a hurry, it was summertime, and I, I was on the way to vacation with my family. So I decided I'd go by the court and do something real quick in the morning and then go with my family to vacation. So I said, I'm not gonna take a tie. 
I'm not going to wear a tie. I'm just going to go real quick. I'll have a suit on, have a jacket, go in there real quick, judge. And he says, Mr. Molina, how are you doing? I said, judge, real quick. And he goes, no, real quick, but I'm going to put you in jail for contempt of court. You better exit the courtroom right now and go find a tie. And I was so embarrassed and, and it couldn't be quick. It couldn't be familiar because he demanded the, the respect of that court. Um, and so I ran outside and, and found a friend and he let me borrow his tie. And I came back in and I was able to present myself before the judge and, and, and conduct business. So there was a time where people used to do that at church and come with Sunday's best. Uh, they had their shoes for Sunday. They had their clothes for Sunday. Um, nowadays, uh, there in England, there's, a, there's the royal court. And before you come before the queen, they have to tell you the protocol, how you're to conduct affairs as you approach. Uh, they're called the rules of proper etiquette. How you're to, what you're to do. Um, a lot of times you can't even speak to the queen until she asks you something. Like, don't say nothing. Don't even say, don't ask a question. Don't be, just, just slightly bow and, and have that type of, of presence. And ultimately what these rules of etiquette and proper uh, protocol is so that you do not become overly familiar. Even the queen's son, Prince Charles, had to conduct business in that proper manner. And for Americans, this is silly. Um, there used to be a time where these rules of, of governing your presence and conduct happened at home with the father of the house, with the grandfather. You know, you, you, you needed to come and, and present yourself uh, before them in the same manner. But nowadays, we just run. Um, there's no semblance of order in our steps as we live our life. Uh, yesterday, we had the phenomenal honor to go to have dinner with Pasita and Victoria. Um, earlier this week, it was Ruthie and Rebecca and Juliana Palma, and as they ran up to me to say hi, uh, I said, I thought I felt the earth shake as you guys were approaching. Um, and last night with Paz and Victoria, there wasn't one second of anything still. It was just like a rumbling, 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 uh, talking, uh, one question after another, and, and, and so that's how we are sometimes in the presence of God. And the, the greatest, I believe, injustice that we do to our children is not to pass down that reverence and, and honor that, that God would have us. So let's, let's just go here, and we've said this verse before, Ecclesiastes 5.1. Uh, when you come into the house of God... Walk prudently and draw near to hear rather than to give the sacrifice of fools. There's, a, there's all manner of proper approaching. And, and we who do not come from a lineage of proper worship, we're talking about perfecting our worship. Uh, throughout the Bible, there's all manners of expression on how to go about. Walk Walk prudently. One of the translations says, guard your steps. Focus on what you're doing as you go to the house of the Lord. Um, I think that, that really God is just going through the outward physical, not that he bypasses it, but he's looking at your heart. What is the disposition of your heart as you're coming before his presence in the house of God. Um, some have gone to the extent of familiarity where they say this, I don't have to go to the house of God. I can stay at home in my living room 
and I'm doing good. I could stay in my bed in my pajamas, have a cup, a warm cup of coffee, and not have to present myself in the house of God, in the temple of the Lord. And, and so you see, they watered it down, watered it down, watered it down. I, I told the Texans when I was in Texas about 10 years ago, I said, all your churches are going to close down and they're going to turn into Muslim mosques. Islam is going to fill America with its temples and churches because we have disrespected the house of God and our children don't want to be a part of nothing. They want to be a part of something that will cost you your life. So Islam says that when you sacrifice your life, then you have a better eternity. But our children says you could do nothing, you could go nowhere, you don't have to go to church, you don't have to dress up, you don't have to present yourself, you don't have to properly worship, you could even get late to church. As a couple stragglers show up at 10 o'clock when church starts at 9. But it's all an attitude that starts the night before, Saturday. And I told Everett, uh, junior I said quit going to bed so late on Saturday and I bug him because he does go to bed early but but I'm busting his chops because the youth are not supposed to be on video games and watching movies till three o'clock in the morning on Saturday and then come in here and sleep the entire sermon now I'm busting the chops on the young people but it's the old people that I see their nostrils and their throat <laughs> I'm preaching to their tonsils this have no honor no 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 capacity no teaching they, they're not focused on what is going on a couple of weeks ago here on a wednesday night i cleared out the cafeteria because people think the cafeteria is la carreta you know they got the window cafecito por favor and they, there's 15 to 20 backslidden men that are back there that have no appetite to sit in the front row with the word of God to worship their God, knowing that according to their worship, their God opens the heavens. I, I used to sit at the church every day for 25 years before I became a pastor. I would sit in the front row because I was distracted by people that didn't, you know, if I sat in the back row, I would see people come in and out. But if you sit in the front row, you could, you're right there like a parade. You're there in the splash zone getting everything God has for you with no distraction. So there, there is not the, the, the obligation. No one's going to make you, but you should have people that encourage you to press into God. He says, walk when you go to the house of God, guard your steps and draw near to hear to, I want to say to receive rather than to give the sacrifice of fools for they do not know what they do what they do not know that they do evil that the actual expression of them coming into the house of God and and having a non I don't know if this is a French word nonchalant um, an attitude of eh, it, you know nothing big is happening here no, no big deal, no proper protocol, no etiquette. And, and I want to suggest, and this is where, where the difference between legalism and the zeal of God. Legalism is that I make you do what you don't want to do. That's legalism. I'm going to put upon you what you're not interested in. Zeal is, man, I want to encourage you to line up the best you can with God so you could experience the best that God has for you and then you have understanding not as an imposition but a place of honor and privilege it's it's something really special when you conduct affairs especially before God uh, we, we know that what happens in school um, if you're late to school five times they give you Late five times, tar five tardies is one absence. If, if you're late 10 times, you, you get suspended. If you're late 20 times, you have to redo the year because the people, or, or five absences. I don't, I don't know what, the, what all the protocol is, but I know for a fact that if this was school, you'd still be in first grade. You wouldn't have advanced. 
No, no, no one's keeping tabs. There's no attendance list. There's, there's no way to govern and figure out. And this is, this is what I tell men that, that aren't tracking the blessing of God. Show me your calendar. Show me where you invest your time, your talents, your treasures. If it's not in God, you have missed out what God has for you because God says he wants to be first. He's never said, I'll take second. He never says you could do whatever you want. You come and go. See, in a state of craziness, you're impressed because you make it to church every Sunday. But yet you haven't done, you haven't participated in the Lord's Supper every first Wednesday of the month. You haven't broken the bread. You haven't drank of the cup that he told you to do because it's not a priority to you. And yet you still think that heaven is cool and you're going to present yourself before God without consequence. But here he says in verse 2, make sure you don't do what is evil. Do not be rash, fast, hasty with your mouth. Uh, I told the man recently, he got upset at me because I said, you've reached an opinion without gathering the facts you have come to a conclusion but you haven't you haven't you haven't seen all that is there when you're presumptuous when you're fast and hasty you are arrogant and proud he got mad because i called him arrogant with your mouth you you said things that were not to be said and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God for God is in heaven and you are on earth therefore make sure your words are few what what is it saying I don't know of a place I don't know of a place where people come with more familiarity with a attitude that's improper than in church I, I equate it to a cardiac surgeon where you go into the inner sanctums of the hospital where surgery is being conducted and you were to give your opinion about a matter you don't know. And you say, well, don't you think that your scalpel, uh, don't you think that you should, and you're giving opinions to a cardiac surgeon that you're not qualified to give. Only in church do people come in and have an opinion about what the pastor should do when they just got there. Well, how long have you been a Christian? Well, I gave my heart to the Lord five years ago. And, and there's people here that, like Pastor Richie, been serving the Lord for 50 years. Wouldn't it be better for you to come to Richie and say, listen, you've been here a little bit longer. How do you see it? What's your perspective? What's, what, what has God shown you? No, it's in the house of God where people just come in. And it's funny because one man came in and says, I think you should tell a little bit more jokes. I'm not a comedian. See, I know that you want to make this a happy hour, but I want to make you sad. I want to make you sad so you fall on your face before God and plead for his mercy. That he might show you the way to a greater expression of you and your family. And so this is what God is saying there. Do not be rash with your mouth. Do not let your heart others have an opinion about matters fastly. God is way above where you are and you are way lower than where he is. Therefore, I, I don't know what, what this tells you about being reserved and 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 a lot of people you know we've been preaching here for almost we're gonna we're gonna celebrate our 25th anniversary in april so for the past 24 years we we've been really approaching these matters with with delicate sensitive but but reality we want the seriousness the genuineness of what god wants us to have and and a lot of people since they don't read their bible they don't see these things and, and they think there's nothing to be had. Um, when, when you call people's attention and say, no, 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 listen to me. This place deserves greater deference 
than what you're used to. And I, I know for the two little girls last night, Victoria and Paz, they, they're just full throttle. Just, just, wah! And it doesn't matter if, if we're at the park, if we're at my house or at the restaurant, just, So little by little, parents have to reel them in and, and start teaching them, you know, go slower, speak not as often, um, yesterday we went to go have hummus and so we find ourselves in an Arab little place there and I said look you got to be careful I told the girls you, you can't talk here like you talk everywhere this is an Arab place the only thing you can say here is Habibi and they're like you know but by the end of the night they were owning the restaurant they were dancing they were they were jumping they were no protocol, no, no reverence, no, they didn't care for the Arabs. Here we are in the presence of God. And the more we curtail our awful expression, the greater his glory will be manifest. If, if we treat this place like the back of a, a backyard, a playground, that's what you'll get out of it. If you treat this place even like we said on, on Wednesday night, as a place of ritual and ceremony, it'll be your death. And God is life and, and his bringing his people to understand what he had for them was shown through the scripture there in the book of Exodus. As he was teaching them to come in before his presence, he, Exodus 28, 31, he says, you're gonna make garments for this priest that will come in once a year to the Holy of Holies. And you're going to make these garments. In verse 32, he tells them it's supposed, supposed to be one piece with an opening for his head, type of like a robe that would fall down, woven, binding around its opening. And he says in verse 33, you shall make pomegranates of blue and purple and scarlet fabric all around it's him with gold bells between them so there was fruits that had to hang um, around the garments these ornaments that would be around the garments and gold bells and and the the purpose of the gold bells is as the priest would move there was music to be heard um and verse 35, Aaron shall wear the robe when he ministers and its sound shall be heard when he goes into the holy place before the Lord and he shall come out so that he will not die there. Um, it, it was a tradition as, as the high priest would go into the holy place and into the holy of holies. Uh, once a year he had to sprinkle blood there in the ark uh, before the Lord for the forgiveness of all the people that were there. And, and the traditions of the Jewish faith says that even as the high priests were appointed to go before the presence of the Lord with these garments that were arrayed with stones and all manner of gold bells and pomegranates, it, it wasn't just ordinary. God was teaching them what were the garments that were supposed to be had before his presence. The bells provided an audible cue so that the people that were outside the curtains could tell when he entered and exited the Holy of Holies. The Bible says, according to the Hebrew tradition, the bells also provided the knowing whether or not the priest was holy, because you had to be clean before you went into the presence of the Lord. If you had anything in your life that was a blemish and a stain before God, he would die in the very presence of that ark. And so we don't know, and I want to say, you know, the, the history is if he went in to sprinkle the blood and his life wasn't right with God, he would fall dead right there. And how did you know he was dead? Because there was no more jingle bells, jingle bells. As long as the bells were tingling, the guy was live and everybody outside was like, yes, he made it. But if he fell and dropped dead, the bells would stop 
And so the tradition is there was a rope around his ankle and they would just pull him out. And, and I want to say this, and, and, and you, you communicate this to your family the best you can. While we are not living in the day where God does that, and we haven't fallen dead in his presence, spiritually, thousands upon thousands have been pulled out by the rope in this place. Because they did not understand the importance of God's presence. A lot of people, I said, hey, why did you leave the church? They said, I didn't leave. God took me out. Can you believe that? It's like, hey, why did you leave? I mean, this is a great place of fellowship, of love. And they tell me, pastor, I didn't leave. God took me out. They died spiritually. They don't have an appetite for God anymore. They, they don't hunger and thirst for the presence of of the assembly of God's people. Um, I think it was Bishop Boone who says, if you don't like it here, you're not gonna like it in heaven. Maybe you're headed to another eternal destination where they will be more like your nature, which is isolated and separated, distance from others, a torment of hell, where you will remember sweet fellowship with God and his people that you despised and neglected. So it's a terrible thing. And while we read these things in the Old Testament about these men, look, how, look how, 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 how you'd like to get this type of letter from the pastor. When you come into church, if you're not right, you're just going to die on the spot. And that's what God was communicating to Moses to communicate to Aaron in these, these verses we have read. Here I have, according to the rope tradition, the bells also provided a means of knowing whether the priest had died or not. If the jingling stopped, the priest on the other end of the rope would be alerted to the fact that the priest ceased moving. So they would pull him out. And there was not any familiarity that God was permitting amongst his people as they approached to worship God. God is in heaven, you're on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Hebrews 4, 16, there's a change of course in the New Testament. What happens? The Bible says, let us therefore come boldly before God's presence, the throne of his grace. Let us come boldly. Now, now God has opened the way. So there's no curtain, there's no bells, there's no rope. Now the blood of Jesus has opened up a way to the throne room of God for you to come confidently and, and and this is where i say also that that there's there's a room for that familiarity um the protocol is usually the refrigerator in my home i i do not have any restrictions as we raised four children that are now men and women um we never had restrictions for them to feel freely to go into the refrigerator and get everything they wanted, everything they need. And I know that some houses, they label stuff. This is dad's, don't touch. This is my favorite ice cream, don't touch. And they have all these restrictions. But, but in our house, there were no restrictions coming into our refrigerator to have all you can eat and, and enjoy everything that the house provided so i know that there is that expression in the house of god to satiate and quench your thirst and your hunger that and, and literally everything that you ever would need in this lifetime is found here in the house of god the house of your father with no restrictions, no limitations, everything you need, everything you desire. He wants to lavishly quench your thirst. And so there's not that issue either. It, it doesn't become so restrictive, it's unattainable. But here in the New Testament, things happened um, where in the Old Testament, the priests as chosen servants of God were to mediate between God and his people working at the temple, bringing sacrifices to God, offering all these uh, offerings for the atonement of sins. The high priest was allowed to enter the most holy place and stand before God. 
So what separated the people from the throne of God in the Old Testament were curtains. Um, some estimate that that one curtain in between the holy place and the most holy place, the most holy place, the holy of holies, the priest could only go once a year to offer um, for the sin of God's people. And that curtain between the holy place and the holy of holies was, they say, 36 inches. It was thick. It was, you, you couldn't break through it. You couldn't tear it. It, it, was, it was heavy. And so it represented separation from God. That means God's on the other side of the curtain. Nobody could go in there except the high priest. And now what the Bible says happens, in, and this is a glorious verse. It's probably one of my favorite verses in the Bible. In, um, let's go talk about that, that veil real quick. Exodus 26, 30. Set up the tabernacle according to the plan shown to you in the mountain. So God showed them how to build this tent in the wilderness as they traveled from Egypt to the promised land. And you're to raise up this tabernacle according to every, the pattern and the model which was shown to you in the mountain. We talked about the mountain on Wednesday. Moses went up the mountain. The people did not want to go. So God said, okay, to tell the people to build an ark and I will be there between them. And this is how you to design it. Verse 30, 31, you shall make a veil. This is that curtain woven of blue and purple, uh, scarlet thread. It says on, on one side it was blue to represent the heavens. On the other side it was red to represent the earth. And in the middle it was purple when the red and the blue mixed together talking about God having a relationship with his people. This linen should be woven with an artistic design of an angel there on that curtain. Verse 32, you shall hang it on four pillars of acacia wood overlaid with gold. Their hooks shall be gold upon four sockets of silver. Verse 33, and you shall hang that curtain, that veil, from these claps and bring the ark of the testimony in here. Behind the veil, the veil shall be divided for you between the holy place and the most holy place. That was, you could, the priest could go into the holy place. They couldn't go into the most holy place, also known as the holy of holies. Separation, distancing, God making a, that, that distance between God and men because of their running from God. Their Leviticus 16.2, the Lord says to Moses, tell Aaron, your brother, not to come in to the holy place inside the veil. Don't go past the curtain to the mercy seat that is on the ark so that he might not die. For I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. That's where God's presence was. Now, what is my favorite verse here as we enter into the work of Christ is Matthew 27, 51. When Christ had been crucified, behold the veil that was in the temple. Remember, three foot, 36 inches, was torn in two. Say with me from top to bottom. From where God is to where we are. God says, you know something? No more separation. Because Christ has broken the veil. That day Christ being crucified, the earth shook and the rocks were split. There was, there was incredible climatic apocalyptic expressions of God separating that veil, that curtain, which kept us on the opposite side. Now he being, uh, verse 54, when the centurion and those were, who were with him kept watching, they were watching Jesus and they saw the earthquake and the things that were happening. They feared greatly and they said, truly, this is the son of God. 
It was a supernatural expression of God saying, guess what? Just like in the mountain of Sinai, the things were shaking and quaking, and you guys ran away from me. We read that on Wednesday night. If you weren't here, I, I suggest you buy a Bible and come out to midweek Bible study and become familiar with the things that are yours. Instead of running from God, God was saying, I'm opening up a way for you to come closer. How is it that God has opened up the curtain from, I love that, let's go back to 51, from top to bottom, he tore the veil. I don't know, I think we have, we have a song like that, right? We, I, I've heard the young people sing that song. He, he tore the veil, he made the way. Pastor Kenny, come on, pick that song. We gotta sing that song at the end of today's service. He tore the veil. He made the way for you to come in. It's no longer um, a separation that is between you and God. But in our worship, God has now opened up a way. We can read it there in Hebrews 10, 12. As he tore this curtain, it was a prophetic symbol that now men were invited to approach God. Believers have a fresh, unparalleled access to God. Now, I, I know that, that this is raw in God opening up a way. It doesn't mean that you can trample and, and walk in there and do whatever you want. What we have as a type and a shadow of the sons of Aaron who, who began to treat the presence of God is a common place. Oh, we're just going to put whatever incense. We're going to offer whatever we want. No, it's not like that. Be, be cautious to know how God wants you to proceed. He has made a way by the blood of the lamb. And the priest, Hebrews 10, 12, says the priest had offered these sacrifices all the time. He has, he has offered one sacrifice for all time, sitting at the right hand of God. And since that time, he awaits for his enemies to all be made his footstool. Verse 14, by one sacrifice, he has made perfect those who are being made holy. That's you and I. The Holy Spirit testifies to us about these things. In verse 16, when he says, this is the covenant I will make after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts. No longer on stones. I will write my laws upon their mind. Verse 17. Their sins and their lawless acts I'll remember no more. This blood of Jesus is powerful. And where they have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. We don't have to come back year after year, week after week. One sacrifice for all times. Verse 19. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, since we have confidence, since now there's a boldness to enter the most holy place, say with me, by the blood of Jesus. That was the key. By the blood of Jesus, he has provided us entrance. Verse 20, very powerful. Let's read it together. By a new and living way. He consecrated for us through the veil. He's talking about that curtain. That is, his flesh was pierced so that now we could have come in. Verse 21, since we have a great priest over the house of God in Christ. Verse 22, let us approach. Let us draw near with true hearts. With a full assurance of faith. Now that our hearts have been sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies are washed with pure water. Verse 23, let us unswervingly hold on to the hope we profess for he, prom he who promised is faithful. Verse 24, let us consider how we may spur one another. How, how now that we can approach and we have access to God, we can encourage one another with good works. 
And then what's it say, verse 25? Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves. These are all the, the manner. We, we've become so confident in the wide and open access that God has given us. We don't have to go to church no more. Well, this says not forsaking assembling. Yeah, it is about getting to church and being around each other, as is the manner of some. Instead, call each other's attention. Exhort one another, especially much, the more as you see he's about to return. He's about to show up. You make sure you're coming together. Um... I really feel, and, and, and this is since day one, 24 years ago, as the church started, I said, please do not occupy a chair in the house of God in a manner which does not super honor the chair that's been given you. If you have a place amongst God's people, if you're counted... I love that song, oh, when the saints, oh, when the saints go marching in, go marching in, oh, when the saints go marching in, oh, I want to be back home. If you're home, you're not here. And if you're not here, you might lose the Cuban saying, el que se fue de la silla perdió la vía. El que se fue a la vía perdió su silla. If you lose your chair, it's almost like, the, what was it called, the, the, the musical chairs? What if the day you, you come and, and you sit and God has given your place to someone else? And I used to say that here a lot at the church. Go to Miami Beach and sit in a lawn chair, a sun chair. If you're not going to give the place you've been given the most reverent, holy value... If, if you're not going to consider being amongst God's people as a special thing, and there's no greater offense in royalty that you be invited to the banquet table and you don't show up. And you, don't, you don't participate what's being served. You don't appreciate what has come to this place. The same thing with the Lord's Supper. That you have the capacity to break the bread and to drink the cup, celebrating the body of Christ. And the Bible says those who don't discern the body are sick, they're weak, and they're dead. These are all the elements of, of spiritual expressions. Um, as I came out this morning up on the, on the pulpit here, the, the sense I got is I don't think that the world is able to have what God has done in us because we refuse to mature. If you see the common sermon, the, the common sermon of, of today, do not love the world. How the heck are you still loving the world? Uh, you got to bring your tithes and offering. Listen, if you don't pay your association homeowners, you get evicted from your neighborhood. Your car is taken away from you. How do you think you come to the house of God with empty hands? You don't tithe. You don't offer. You don't serve. What? What? Who? Paul would tell the Galatians, who messed with your brain? Deuteronomy 16, 16 says, the men shall appear at my feast three times a year before the Lord. This word, the times of the feast, um, in the place which he chooses. You don't get to choose where you meet with God. Some people say, I don't have to go to church to be right with God. Well, you know something? You need to be at the bar if you're going to get drunk. A lot, a lot of people, I don't need to go to school to get an edu education. Yes, you do. You need to not only go to school, you need to apply, register, go to class, do the homeworks, do the assignment. How is it you come into Christ and you're nonchalant lechuga fresca? You're fresh lettuce. No obligation, no requirement, no, 
no protocol, no governance. And, and guess what? It becomes a curse because you can't pass down what you don't do to your children. They never saw you, they never saw you participate active protocol. They, you can't pass down what's not substantive. So the male, say male, shall come before me three times a year to the place I choose, the feast of unleavened bread, the feast of weeks, the feast of tabernacle, and they shall appear before the Lord empty-handed. I read that wrong because you're not supposed to come and serve God with empty hands. He says, you, I've done something in your life. God says, I've done something in your life. Amen. I took you from zero. I made you a hero. Now come with hands that are full. According to what I've done in your life. Where does it say that? I don't say that. Well, let's read the next verse then. Every man shall give as he is able. According to the blessing the Lord has given him. According to the blessing the Lord has given him. Not your neighbor, you. How, what, what is the measure that God bless you with? Well, pastor, 20 years ago I got saved and I decided I would give God every month $5,000 and I'm sticking to it. Yeah, but God gave you $5 million now. Now the Lord has blessed you more. Why are you coming with the same blessing as when you had zero? Come according to the measure of the blessing he's blessed you with. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. We didn't hear that. We pretend we didn't hear that. God expanded you. He increased you. He kept you safe. He protected you. He made you abound. And you still cannot bring according to the blessing the Lord God given you. A lot of people always argue with me. Hey, Pastor, that's Old Testament. I know the New Testament is a thousand times more. It's not according to the law. It's according to grace. And grace abounds. Amen. And so when you're not, the, the tithe is a 10%. That's glorious. That belongs to God. And then the blessing of the Lord is way beyond the 10% you've been given. So again, no protocol. No, no imposition. No religious rhetoric and rule and obligation. All this is according to the goodness of God. The goodness of God compels me to be good with God. Why? Because God's been good with me. Verse 16, no man shall come with empty hands. They shall not appear before the Lord empty handed. There has to be evidence of God's grace abounding greater and greater measure. Psalm 24, verse 3, how are we going to ascend to this high hill of the Lord? Who is God going to give access to? Who's going to stand in his holy place? Verse 4, he who has clean and pure, clean hands and a pure heart. This is, this is what we're talking about. God is, is going in a little bit further than the exterior to the attitude. Because some people might be doing everything according to the motions. And they're not walking with the Lord. Who has not lifted his soul to another direction. If, if the Lord is the source of our wealth and blessing and peace and joy and refuge. Wouldn't it make sense that he would receive the greatest expression of our time, talents and treasure? Absolutely. That makes him God. Not someone who swears deceitfully. Verse 5. He shall receive the blessing of the Lord. We talked about that at the beginning. A proper expression of worship um, causes the blessings to abound. The righteousness from the God of his salvation. Verse 6. This is the generation of them that seek him. That seek his face. So in that regards... That's where I want to be in what God is doing. Hebrews 6.19 says that this is the hope that gives us confidence 
like a strong anchor that doesn't let our soul waver, being sure and steadfast, which allows us to enter into the presence where God is behind that curtain that was broken. And I, I want that for you. I want that for me. I want that for my children. I want that for my grandchildren. I want them to be able to know that life is not found in the expressions of the pursuit of earthly accomplishments. That at best is going to make you a person of great possessions and little significance. You would have missed the whole purpose of living life upon the earth. Let, um, let's get the musicians to come forward. I don't know if Pastor Kenny has that song, if you found it. Um, he made the way, he broke the veil. That song is so powerful for us to sing today and offer it up to our Lord and say, Lord, give us an approach. I, I know that, that when you're flying an airplane, the, the most important aspect of flying an airplane is how you approach the landing. You want to have the landing gear down. I think that's important. You want to make sure you're lined up with a landing strip. And, and you stand with me today and say, I know how to approach God a little better after pastor yelled at me this morning. After pastor was able to, let's stand. You guys didn't even hear that part. It's like, no pastor, we don't want to, we're upset. No, your, your manner to approach God has to be unique. I, I was in that Arab place last night. And so we told the guy, because it was kind of weird, we were there, and they said, how come you eat no meat? I said, we're fasting. And he says, what, Ramadan? I said, no, not Ramadan. We, we have decided the first three weeks here in January to offer to God that which, that he is pleased by. And he was talking Muslim and Islam, and I was talking, do you know Abraham? And they know Abraham? What did God ask of Abraham? And he says, his son. I go, exactly. And in your life, it's not going to be your son necessarily. It's your most precious possession. And it could be this restaurant. God wants you to give up this restaurant. It might be your hobby. In every man's life, it's, it's an expression of something that is according to the blessing of the Lord. Abraham didn't have a son until God gave it to him. It belonged to God, so bring it back to God. And when he saw that Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son, he saw in him what would be the father of our faith. And we're going to talk about that in the coming weeks. But he became the expression of genuine worship. He didn't hold back from God what belonged to God. And, and what I've learned is when we surrender what God is asking us for, he gives it to us now in faithful stewardship. That we know how to have uh, the things that God puts in our hands. This Deuteronomy 16, 16 is powerful because some would have thought, and I've had preachers and friends of mine say, well, Jesus did it on the, on the cross. So it's all done. I don't have to do nothing. I, I think that's, that's twisted worship. It's a faith without works. And the Bible says a faith without expressions of the reality is dead. And he's made a new and living way. He's made us alive forevermore. So let's sing this song to the Lord. And, and I'm going to believe this morning that God's going to move in your heart. And you're just going to go in a, a real powerful direction towards perfecting your worship. Hallelujah. Let's, let's go ahead and sing this song, Pastor Kenny. Oh, Lord, you've searched me.
every season in every season I know you love me I know you love me yes I know I know you love me at the cross I bow my knees at the cross I bow my where your blood was shed for me There's no greater love than this You have overcome the grave Your glory fills the highest place What can separate me now? Yes, Lord go before me you go before me you shield my way your hand upholds me your hand upholds me. I know you love me Asking me to give. No, 
We're asking you to acknowledge God in your life and the great bountifulness of his extravagant love and lavishness. He wants to give you a lot more than what you have, a lot more than what you could ever handle. He wants you to be able to stewardship and present it to God so that all the world might know who you worship. A lot of people are worshiping a lot of things, but there's only one worthy of worship. And it's the one who created you. And he not only excises from you the highest sacrifice for the forgiveness of your sin, but then he gives his son so that you're made whole. See, that's the difference. And that you acknowledge that and so that you know, not withhold anything precious from him because he was the originator of that bounty in your life. Father, raise your hands to the heavens. Say, Father, fill my hands with the expressions of your love, your provision and faithfulness that I might worship with excellence giving you what you are due according to the blessings that you have done in my life, in my family, over the course of my life that I could pass down to my children. And then they might witness who my God is and how I worship him and faithful expressions of thankfulness. We glorify you this morning for what you've done and we go home filled your goodness and your mercy in our lives oh God that you have made a way for us to come in not with empty hands but with hands filled with your goodness and faithfulness in Jesus name we pray and the house of God says amen amen and amen greet one another in the love of the Lord